There's an old Indian proverb that speaks about six blind men being introduced to an elephant for the first time. It's an old proverb, it's an old story, it gets used for a lot of different purposes, and everybody kind of takes this old proverb and and morphs it into whatever they need it to be for, and and that's exactly what I'm going to do this morning. So the first man states that the elephant is like a wall. The second man argues, um, he argues back that the elephant's like a giant snake. It's like a spear, the third man says. I'm certain that it's a giant cow says the fourth. No, it's more like a giant tree. No, it's much more like a fan, the sixth man responded. And as they argue their various points, the question was raised, how can they all be right? Finally, a stranger speaks up and he, and he explains to them that an elephant is a very large animal and each man just touched only one part. And perhaps if you put all the parts together, that you'll see the truth. And as we finish this, this short series on generosity this, this morning, and we've looked at the generous Father, right? God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Right? We've been given this gift of salvation. God generously gave His Son, and the Son generously gave His life. Right? We looked at the importance of being generous with the good news. Right? How we speak about our testimony, that we should be overflowing with the good news, right? The very truth of our salvation, right? Looking for every opportunity that we can get to speak the words and live out the daily, the, the, the daily truth that, that has affected our lives and has shaped our lives and it also prevent or create some accountability for us as well. Last week we spoke about shrewd generosity, using our wealth uh, for the things of eternity, Right? One of those things being friends, using your, your riches, your earthly wealth to, to accumulate friends so that you can then share Christ with them and bring them to Him. And this morning we're going to look at the generous Christian. And, and much like this old proverb, being a generous Christian is a, a very large thing. And this morning we're going to focus on just one aspect, one piece. We're actually going to look at the topic of hospitality. And I'm in no, in no way saying that, that this piece is, is more important or, or larger or, or carries more weight than any other. But I do think it's a valuable piece that often gets pushed off or overlooked, especially in the world that we live in today. Now, we could spend our time looking at compassion or service or humility. They would all be valuable pieces that make up a larger picture, right? All individual pieces working together to make up the whole, parts that come together that create something much larger and something greater. But this morning we're going to look at, hum- or not humility, at hospitality. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, I'd like for you to open them back up to Romans 12. Romans 12, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13, just a section that that Fred read um, just moments earlier. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9 and going through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And we can see throughout the pages of Scripture, throughout throughout all the Old Testament, New Testament, we can see multiple examples of hospitality. We can see it being lived out. We can see the act of inviting someone else into your home, into your life, someone who does not ordinarily belong there. Now, the, the topic of hospitality is, is met in two ways. Woohoo and ugh. Right? For the woohoos, I can't help you very much because I'm an uh. And for the uh, hospitality, really, I, I hear you. But, but listen to what 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8-9 through 9 says. Above all, keeping lo- keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> without uh. So without, without grumbling, you have been called to show hospitality, to show it in a way that is joyful. In a way that shows that you actually enjoy it. Not just going through the motions that, to satisfy some sort of request that you've been given. We're, we're not being told to show hospitality like a child approaches a shower. Right? You give the command... I'd like for you to go take a shower. The child responds with woohoo. No, it's ugh. Right? I get to take a shower. More times than not, after a show of power and authority, and you move them in the correct direction, they finally get to the bathroom, and you think for yourself, I'm such a good parent. My child's going to be clean. It's just, we're, we're, it's just great. And then your child walks out a short time after. And you happen to notice the potato field growing behind their ear. Or the dirt ring around their neck. Or, or wait, that their hair is dry in the back. And you ask the question. Did you take a shower? And then you realize, why did I even ask the question? I took a shower, they say. No, you stood in the water with the water running. So yes, technically, I guess, in fact, you did take a shower. But did you really take a shower? And this call for us to practice hospitality in, in Romans chapter in Romans chapter uh, in Romans chapter twelve. It, it really means to to not just practice hospitality, but to pursue hospitality, to strive for hospitality, to run after hospitality, not just go through the motions just to say we did. We're not like the kid in the shower. And practicing this kind of generosity is, is not, not easy. Hospitality, it creates more work, more effort, and more time that needs to be invested on your part. This all comes back 
to the very piece of the foundation that we laid in weeks ago. God has been generous with us. He gave His Son for us. And now the world around us is is constantly telling you, constantly selling you on the fact that we need to draw into ourselves. Not only do I need to, to seek out how I feel or to really get in tune with myself, but, but we're being told that we need to draw into ourselves and just find this, this solitude and this strength of being alone. And we can see this every, everywhere we go. It, it's becoming harder and harder to leave our homes. It's becoming more and more comfortable to stay in there. We don't have to go outside. It, it's more and more difficult to, to bring people in, right? We're encouraged to stay home in the, in the comfort of our homes where we can enjoy ourselves. I can, I can binge watch countless episodes on Netflix. I can order everything and anything I want from Amazon. I can have it in my house in two days. I can have everything delivered to my doorstep. I can talk to thousands and thousands of my friends on social media. As a culture, we're, we're losing the joy of sitting outside and chatting with neighbors or running into somebody at the store. And let's be honest, if we, even, if we ever just make it out somewhere, if we ever find ourselves out and about, we're tethered to our phones and constantly trying to escape and, and getting back into this safe little created world that we have. Brothers and sisters, this is not what we're called to. This is not how we are to live for Christ. We're to be generous with good news, right? We're supposed to share our testimonies. It's hard to do that when I'm always looking down. We're to be generous with our wealth and using it to make friends, and that's hard to do when all my friends don't really exist and they're all out there somewhere just pressing like buttons. And we're to be generous with hospitality. You can't do these things well if you're constantly sitting at your house, constantly locked in in your own little world. You can't do these things when you're escaping actual people. God's generosity, God's hospitality is motivated by having His name glorified. The act of hospitality, when we show this love to others, it's an opportunity to bring glory to God's name. It's hard to do that when I'm, when I'm on episode 13 of whatever show I'm watching for the last four hours at home. Think about it for a moment. God has, God has welcomed us in. He's invited you in, not because of our goodness or our cleanliness, but because of His goodness and His righteous, righteousness. Without the generous gift of His Son, we couldn't enter in. We couldn't stand in His presence. Without His gift, without God showing hospitality towards sinners, we would have no hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11-12, through 12, Therefore remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at one time were separated from Christ 
alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We once, being Gentiles, had no hope. God made a covenant with the people of Israel. But, but we have Jesus. Jesus, who sacrificed His flesh to create in Himself one new man in place of two, right? Ephesians chapter 2. Making peace and reconciling us to God through one body, through the work on the cross. This sacrifice, this sacrifice by our Savior, allows us to no longer be strangers. No longer to be aliens, but now we're welcomed into the household of God. Everybody who trusts, everybody who believes, is welcomed in. And this is done with no effort on our part. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Have you ever shown up to a party a wedding, an event. Let's just say it's called Lawn Games at Grace. Right? You, you didn't help prepare that event, plan that event. Things are there. It's amazing. It's set up, laid out, and everything is just perfect. Even the weather. You sit, you eat, you talk, you play. You have an amazing time. But you, but you did nothing. <laughs> you didn't help set things up. You're not going to be cleaning up. Right? Taking the trash out. Putting things away. The event, the party, was not your own doing. It's the generous act of someone else for you. You're just invited to come. It's this generous act of hospitality, an act of grace, an act of love. This is what we're called to do. And we've already been shown this example of perfect hospitality through God Himself and through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we practice hospitality with the knowledge of what God has done for us through the gift of His Son, and we practice hospitality with the knowledge of what is to come in the future. That God has a place for us, with Him, in eternity. Okay. So we know we should practice hospitality. But the question we really want to know is, what do we get out of it? Right? What do I get for being hospitable? What do I get for showing this generous hospitality? Well, you get joy. That's right. You, you get joy. When we're being generous with our hospitality, when we're beginning to serve others, when we're caring for those around us in this way, we begin to see past ourselves. We begin to see outside of that world that we've created. Our heads come up. We're providing the same care for others, the same love for others. We're demonstrating this love that we've already been shown ourselves. And this will provide joy. Being generous with our hospitality will make us better people. We're to be striving to be more like Christ. 
And by opening up our lives to others in this way, we will reflect the Son in, ways more, in, in more ways than we have already. This is going to provide you with joy. Being generous with our hospitality, it, it also takes intentionality. It's, it's not easy. We need to ask the question, how can I be generous with my home, my church, my property? We need to be intentional with our awareness, right? Who could I encourage that, that's struggling with loneliness today? What can, I, what can I do to bring these people together, to connect these two people? How can I introduce them to each other? And if we're truly being intentional, if we're truly setting our minds on how we can do this, then our generous hospitality looks a lot different than just having the same old gang together. And I'm not saying that you can't always have the same group of people over for dinner. But how can we connect to the people that are outside our group? How can we open up ourselves to those that that maybe we don't spend as much time with. Our idea of hospitality is often shaped, is often morphed by our own perceptions of what we think it should look like. And not necessarily what we see in the Bible. I mean, I've spent time and I've looked through the Bible and I didn't find anything on how clean your house needs to be. Or the table setting the number of weeds allowed in your yard. I've spent time. I didn't see anything. But what I did see is that we're to practice hospitality. We're to pursue and strive for hospitality. We're to practice hospitality without grumbling. And and when we do, we may see that it's so much far-reaching than we could ever imagine. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You have no idea the impact you can have when you show hospitality to someone. You have no idea who you're showing hospitality to. We even see the requirements for those that are seeking leadership of the church in, in 1 Timothy 3 and, and Titus 1. Write a call for a life above reproach. Huh. Boy, I can keep it together inside these walls pretty good. You ask my wife and my children if I'm always this at home. Right? Spending time with someone in their home allows you to look behind the curtain a willingness to allow others to observe an area that your Christianity is most graphically revealed. And although we we see a call to act in generous hospitality, it's easy. It's easy to get stuck on the condition of our house or the lack of space we have or just the daily mess our lives are. And this is where we need to continue to be intentional. We have to continue seeing past ourselves, seeing past what we've created, and being able to look up and see those that we live with. Look for the opportunities to show love to others. A love that we have already been shown. Now, 
it's time for me to be honest. I do not have the gift of hospitality. And maybe I should have opened with that statement. I, I'm probably the last person to stand up and tell you, you should be hospitable. I, it's a fight. I have to push back against it. I, I, I mean, I look for every chance I can to stay comfortable. Having people over is hard. Spending time with people is hard. I'm an introvert. I love alone time. Quiet time. Last night, after the long games at Grace, ha, I sat in my office. People left. My family went home. I sat in my office. I sat in my office. Ha, here's the curtain coming back. Until I knew my family was home and my children would be in bed. Ha. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> because I knew that I needed some time to recharge, to catch my breath, and to get myself okay again. Right? Precious moments in my office were quiet. Time spent with others, it, it, it's great. And, and to be surrounded by, by crowds and noise, I can do it. But, but it doesn't take long before it begins to drain on me. It begins to weigh on me. And, and I need to pull away and I need to recharge myself for just moments. So I do understand the, oh, hospitality. I do understand the difficulty that there is in that. But my lovely wife, she can't fathom the notion of what it would be like to not have people come over to our home. To not surround yourself with people. She grows more powerful the more people that are around her. Now, make her sit somewhere alone without the ability to connect to people, and it's a different story. So if I'm at, a, if I'm at hospitality four, she's a good hospitality 104. And this, again, is where we need to be intentional. If you would label yourself an extrovert, someone who loves to be around people and is recharged by connection and conversation, then chances are you're practicing hospitality naturally most days. You're constantly looking to connect to people. You're constantly bringing people into what you're working on or what you have going on. I... You can't even go to the grocery store by yourself. You have to surround yourself with people there. But I would encourage you to look for ways that you can serve those who struggle with it. Offer to host. I, I'm, I'm thankful that I have Jess as a buffer. I, how can you be someone's buffer? Initiate conversations introductions, connections. It, draw them in. Invite them into what you already have going on. How, how, can you, how can you come alongside a brother or sister who hospitality is going to be a struggle for and, and show them, hey, this is, this is how we do this or, or use what I have. Now, for those that find themselves on the other end, 
recognize that it's easy to make excuses and to allow the discomforts that we feel to open up the door for sin. Right? The house is not always clean enough. I'm not a good cook. Our house is too small. Understand that, that you are looking for reasons why you can't instead of reasons why you should. And these things I know all too well. So your house is not clean. Most of our houses are not as clean as we want them to be. I, I live with ten people. We have one bathroom. How, how clean do you think that bathroom is? I mean, perhaps God is going to use you to encourage someone else. Right? I just sat in the Harrison's house and I feel much better about the condition of my own. I mean, so you can't cook well. Order pizza. Eat off paper plates. Because you know what? That just allows you to spend more time talking and engaging and connecting without worrying about cooking or cleaning and doing dishes. Oh, your house is too small. Be strategic on how you host. Use the outside if you can. Use multiple rooms. Use the fellowship hall downstairs. Or use the property that we have here at Grace. We encourage that. We have a form you fill out. We just sign off on it anyway. Use the spaces we have. Inviting others into your life, into your home for a meal is a wonderful way to show hospitality. Many, many great moments happen when we're sharing a meal with someone. The Gospels record many moments where Jesus sat and ate with friends and strangers and great things happen. Serving someone a meal. Clearing their plate for them. These are tangible ways that you can demonstrate your love and care for them that maybe they're not receiving anywhere else. For those that live alone, they're constantly serving themselves, clearing their own plate. Oh, Imagine the love that they could feel in that moment. Don't allow those reasons you shouldn't host to get in the way of the reasons you should. Kick the toys in the corner. Throw the dirty wash in the room that no one's going to go in. Don't get hung up on being fancy. That, That stuff, I'm telling you, that stuff doesn't matter. Use the meal together to build relationships, to talk about things that really do matter. Our testimony, our testimonies are a great place to start. What a great opportunity for you to be generous with the good news. Someone sitting down at your table, eating with you. You have a captive audience. Tell them about Christ. Another great opportunity for us to, to show hospitality is to extend a kind word to everyone you meet. Share your time, your energy, invite them into your life. And be aware of those around you who need it more than you do. We, we can see this in the interaction um, that Jesus has with Zacchaeus. Right, you remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the wee little man. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to me to Luke. 
Luke chapter 19. And I just... Very familiar account. Very familiar story. But I just want to read it. And I just want to highlight just a a small piece of it for us this morning. This is what... That's what God's Word says. Luke 19, starting at verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Again, this is a a familiar story that that we teach little kids a song about, and, and, and we kind of, even in a way, just gloss over. But but I want you to see here, Zacchaeus desperately wants to see Jesus, desperately needs to be in contact, desperately wants to be around him, and and he can't. He can't see around the crowd, so he climbs a tree. Again, what a foolish thing for a man to do. Men don't climb trees, boys climb trees, especially not wealthy men. But yet he climbs the tree. And none of that would have mattered. He would have Jesus would have walked by him. And Zacchaeus would have seen Jesus. But what changes the story is Jesus stops. He notices him. He sees Zacchaeus. He's intentional and he's aware. I mean, do you not think Jesus had somewhere else to go? I mean, we know he had nowhere to go but Zacchaeus' house. But there he is. Sitting in a tree. And the Lord stops and looks at him and calls him down. In much much in the same way that, that Zacchaeus was the son of Abraham and worthy of Jesus' time, the people that you interact with who feel that maybe they're not worthy or that they just don't belong in the same way that you do, they deserve the love of God and are just as precious and just as valuable to Him as I am or you are. The value that Zacchaeus felt, the time that Jesus spent, these things are not unrelated. And this is what hospitality does. It allows us the opportunity to show others value. 
how we welcome others, how we interact with them, how we show hospitality to strangers, communicates to them how we see ourselves and ultimately how we view them. So, so who have you greeted this morning? Last week we, we stood and shook hands. This week we didn't. Some of you were very relieved last week. We finally, woohoo, we shook hands. And others this week were very thankful that we stayed and didn't. But whether we stand and shake hands or whether we sit and, and go right into our hymn should not affect how we greet one another. Should not affect how we speak to those around us that are sitting shoulder to shoulder with us. Those that we come in and walk inside the building with. So who have you greeted with this morning? And then how did you greet them? How did you respond to their greeting to you? Is everything just okay and fine? And we just walk by and walk past and get to where we're going? I'm so guilty of that. I want to go from point A to point B and I will get through however I have to and I will tell you everything's good or hey, how are you? Fine. Hey, that's good to see you. That's not showing value. Who's on your list to speak with after the service this morning? Right? We all have that list. Right? I need to connect with them. I need to see those people today. But are we asking the question, how can I practice generous hospitality within these walls of this church? Who? Who in this building this morning should I connect with? Who should I speak with? Who should I make time for this morning? And to do this well, we need to pay attention. Right? Luke 19, verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. He knew where He was, and He knew what He needed. We all interact with people every day at work, at church, at school, in our neighborhoods. How many, how many of these people are on the fringe that keep to themselves, that go unnoticed? How often do we take time out of our day to stop and look up? To stop and, and to see them? And to call them down? Or to go to them and say, I must go to your house today. Try that. That will get you an invite. <laughs> Just not my house because it's messy and there's not a lot of room. Taking time, showing someone time, showing kindness to them can dramatically change their life. Spending time with them, allowing them in, dramatically changes, dramatically changes their sense of value. 25 years ago, someone paid attention to me. I was invited into someone's home I did not know, at a party I did not want to be at, surrounded by people that were kind of annoying. I sat on the fringe, I stayed in the corner where I felt comfortable. And this man invited me to go have lunch.
He was intentional. He was aware. And he knew what I needed. So he took me to lunch. It's free lunch. And he shared the gospel with me. My sense of value was changed because of the time that he showed me. My life was changed because of the hospitality that he showed me. I stand here this morning professing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because a stranger showed me generous hospitality. We should be generous. We should be pursuing generous hospitality because God was first generous with us. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. We should be generously overflowing with the good news because of God's grace in our lives and the work that He's done on our behalf. We should be using our earthly wealth to, to, to have this an eternal focus, right? We should be seeking to care for and love others and invite others in because of what God has blessed us with. And all of this rolls into and creates a, a desire to be hospitable. To, to create a desire to open up what we have and to share with others. You have no idea the effect hospitality can have on someone else's life. Maybe they just need someone to talk to. Maybe they just need to be encouraged. Maybe they need to be introduced to the future spouse. Or maybe they just need to hear the gospel. But our call is just to be generous with our hospitality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this morning. We're thankful for the opportunity we have to, to come together to worship You as a body of believers. Father, that You have brought each of us here this morning together, not by accident, not by happenstance, but because You have orchestrated it, because this is part of Your will. Father, we recognize that, that there are those together this morning with us that need someone to reach out, that need someone to just show them hospitality, that needs to be invited in, that there are those sitting on the fringe and, and are comfortable staying uh, secluded in their own world, Father, that they need to be encouraged to be brought out. We thank You that You have designed each of us differently, that You have gifted us in so many ways. Father, I thank You that there are brothers and sisters that, that, that I call that I call family here at church, Father, that, that did just love. They love to be surrounded by, by people and conversations, Father. They love to be surrounded by noise and chaos. And, and I give thanks for the way that you've designed them, that, that, they, that they can help pull me in from time to time. Father, and for those that, that are like me, that, that find it a struggle to, to be in that mix, Father, that you would, Father, you would give us Oh, bravery. That, that we would be willing to step out where it's uncomfortable. That we wouldn't be so quick to, to make excuses to, to kind of sit and wallow in it. 
Most of all, Father, we, we thank you that, that we understand what hospitality looks like. We understand what generosity looks like only because of you. You first demonstrated these things for us. We see it throughout Scripture, Father. We see examples time and time again where you have called us to look like these people, like these, these stories that we read about. Would we not gloss over them? Would we not be quick to just move past it? Would we look to look different because we know these things, because we see these examples in front of us? Reshape us, Father. Our desire is to look more like your Son, and your Son was generous and kind, loving and hospitable. Again, we thank You for Your gift that You so loved us that You gave us Your Son. Father, we're, we're thankful for that gift. And Father, we pray all these things this morning in Your Son's name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.